0: and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. Eternal God, show us your Word and your covenant in your Word, your grace in your covenant and your goodness and your grace and your love and your goodness and yourself and your love. And may your spirit stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in whose name we have gathered, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve and follow Christ faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. It takes very little effort to describe to you the dangers of the darkness since I submit to you one simple concept that as a grandparent I have been reintroduced to because this was a season long past as we have adult children. But have you ever been in the house where a two year old has been with a set of Hot Wheels cars or Legos? And they have played throughout the day, but you can't remember exactly where they put everything. And it's an overcast night, and the house is dark. Your foot will find that one sharp fin of a Hot Wheels car, or that leftover piece of a Lego. Darkness has dangers. You don't even have to have a little two-year-old or three-nager, which is a new term I've learned, right? It used to be the terrible twos. Now they're three, three, three-nagers. They're three-nagers. They're, their attitudes come out. But in the dark house, how often have you heard that your toe is likely to find the edge of the dresser or the bed in the dark of night? Oftentimes a light is left on so you can negotiate the darkness. We know the dangers of the darkness. Even as children age, at times they'll move through stages where they'll only go to sleep if it's dark, but then they want to leave on a light because there is some sense of fear of the darkness. So the imagery of darkness is something that we innately know just in our human nature. The the dangers of darkness, there is when light comes, it illuminates, it it removes the, the darkness. There still can be shadows, but we don't live in the darkness. People wanted to hear from God as we move into Isaiah, and what he gives to them is both his voice and his presence, his presence and light. Advent, this time in this season of waiting, is a time where we focus on how God enters the world long before this particular text. God enters the world to illuminate and speak into the silence. For there is light in the silence. And then there is not just this principle, but this application in our lives, how that light lives in and through us. So, what is the context of this passage you have read? Encourage you to bring your Bibles and do some study, or you can pick out your phone now, you can write some notes. We're going to look at a couple of things that'll be important to note. But in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 19 into the Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, this text is set in its context. We lift this out often. Often Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7 are read at Christmas Eve. But the context is so important. In Isaiah chapter 8, we read the prophet telling the people in verse 19 of chapter 8, When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to his words, they have no light of dawn. Don't you love that imagery? They have no light of the dawn. How often do we look at sources outside the world to try and make sense of things and then we try to reconcile them with a biblical witness when we need to begin with a biblical witness. In verse 21, the prophet continues, distressed and hungry, they roam through the land where they are famished. They'll become enraged and looking up, or They will curse their king and their God. They will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fear the gloom and they will be thrust into utter darkness. How often have I walked with people who in times of great difficulty and challenge, and they'll say, my faith is what got me through, right? I remember a time where I was walking with a widower, and he said these eloquent words. I said, how are you doing? He said, people have asked me, has my life been shaken? I said, my life has been shaken, but my faith hasn't, and that's what's got me through. prophet continues, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. A turning point. There will be no more gloom for those in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Natali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea and beyond the Jordan. Now you've got to listen to that because the geography references in the prophet is a way of... Using the narrative to tell you the expanse of how God will handle things in the future, He will ga- honor Galilee of the nations. That's the north, by the way of the sea, known as the. There is a road known as the the, the road of the sea, the via the via uh, Mardis. So he's saying everything along the sea, everything that comes in, and then beyond the Jordan, the Jordan would be what separates currently, Israel from what we know as Jordan today. It's the Jordan River by the west of the Jordan. In other words, everything this way, that way, and all around. It's echoed in Matthew chapter 4 when Matthew records this. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. John was his cousin. And so leaving Nazareth, John, Jesus comes to live in Capernaum, which is on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. This is Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. It was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Oh, we just heard that, didn't we? The word of hope that was going to be there. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah land of Zebulun and Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan the Galilee of the Gentiles the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death a light has dawned from that time on Jesus began to preach repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near you friends god has always been about the light what is the hebrew understanding of light if we move to the Old Testament, we simply need to look at the very opening passage of Genesis in Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, when we see that the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and that we're hovering in the Hebrew is like the fluttering of a dove is this meaning, right? So God's presence, God's spirit was hovering, fluttering over the darkness. And God said what? You know this text, church. Come on. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, it's fascinating that we often overlook, but if I tell you this clue, you'll you'll probably go, oh yeah. It's always been there. In the Hebrew ordering of the day, we tend to think that I'm going to get up early so I can start my day early, right? We talk about early risers that start the day. But in the Hebrew understanding, the day starts with the rest of the evening. So if you read Genesis carefully, you'll see it was evening, and then it was day. It was the next day. And so the day starts at the evening. That's why when you come to Shabbat or Sabbath, it starts at sunset. That's the start of the day. What if if the biblical witness is trying to tell us the world will order itself in this way, but God's saying, this is the way I want you to order your life, to gather, to feast, to rest, to be renewed, and then continue your day. Whereas most of us try to live on caffeine when the sun comes up. So this Hebrew understanding of light, it's understanding that darkness is separation from God. But light, light is a sense of being with God. You see this lived out in Psalm 23, don't you? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right, the shadow of death I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see this lived out in Psalm, and, in Psalm 18, verse 28. You, O Lord, Keep my lamp burning, my God turns my darkness into light. Oh, I love that imagery. A God who can turn the darkness into light. A God who can redeem the pain to make something beautiful. A God who's with us so that no matter how dark it may seem, there's always light when God is with us. And this light of God is a divine revelation. It's not just the physical aspect of light, but it's light that is the manifestation and the presence of God. The Hebrew understanding was that God's light not only reveals the truth, it is the truth, and it transforms lives. Just look at the physical world and what happens with photosynthesis. Without light, nothing can grow and nothing can live. Without the light of God, nothing can grow and nothing can live. God is the one who transforms those moments of darkness into light. Or as Psalm 119 speaks so clearly, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's the context. That's the background. That's the understanding. That is the people who are being spoken to by the prophet Isaiah. And remember from last week. Last week we were in Isaiah chapter 40 with four words. This is Isaiah chapter 9, so we break down Isaiah. that There's what's called the, um, the time of Isaiah that is pre-exile and post-exile. So in, in Isaiah chapter 9, we are pre-exile, a God of warning, but even in the midst of the warning, the word and comes up again, there is a warning and a word of hope. There is a caution and a promise. This great light of Isaiah chapter chapter 9 verse 2 is a light that is a foreshadowing of the Messiah. And how often, let me put it this way, could you tell the story of Christmas if you pulled out anything related to light? You couldn't. Think about it. How did the wise men Nowhere to show up. How did the shepherds know where to look? What did God do? God set a star, a radiant star, and without the light of the star, there'll be nothing. I was reading the poetry and preparation from Anne Weems in her book. Um, she's got two books. One is Kneeling in Jerusalem. She has several, but the two favorites are Kneeling in Jerusalem and Kneeling in Bethlehem. And what she says in Kneeling in Bethlehem is that this birthing that happens in Bethlehem, this birthing of God's breaking into the world in the incarnation, is just beginning because God still has stars to throw into the night sky. I love that imagery, that God still has stars to cast into the night sky, that whatever you're sensing, whatever this season you're in, whether it's a diagnosis, whether it's a challenge of a relationship, whether it's just the brokenness of the world, whether it's the unknown future with your occupation or your family, whatever the darkness is that you feel, a heaviness that you feel, friends know this, hear this good news of the gospel, God still is throwing stars into the night sky and every one of those stars is like the natal star of Bethlehem. It's the guiding presence of Christ, the God who is with you. As Jesus says about this, in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world, says Jesus, whoever follows me will not walk in, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This light is not just a foreshadowing of the Messiah. It's the promise of the Messiah. It is the Messiah. And if this be true, then what about you and me? What is our choice? So I have a very practical way of applying this text today. Last year, when we um, you noticed that as we walk across the street, uh, we had a near miss a couple of years ago, and so we thought, well, let's get some more cones out, and that's why we have the cones out here in certain places. We ask you not to park so we can see line of sights. Uh, but it was Christmas Eve going out, and it was dark, and 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 really that doesn't help a lot at night because when the light of a car shines, there are shadows that are created. So I went to. Um, One of the big box retailers And I got these guys And and they're solar blinking lights Now The reason this solar blinking light Is currently not going to work No matter what I do to it Is that during the week After you leave church on Sunday Our staff goes out and picks these up Puts them on a little cart And they're rolled over below a staircase They're put into a closet And the door is shut And therefore there's no what? solar power whatsoever. So in preparation for Christmas Eve, while these are not needed during the day in preparation for Christmas Eve, we actually have to go out and remove these and what do we have to do with them? You know what we have to do. We have to take them out and we have to put them out in the sunlight. So I want to do two things with this imagery for you. First, your life is just like this little solar panel. It needs the sun and I'm not talking about the S-U-N. It needs the Son of God who is the light of the world. And if you do not put yourself in a place through the reading of Scripture and the gathering together as Acts chapter 2 tells us in the reading of Scripture, the singing of hymns, if you're not praying together, if you're not worshiping, if you're not doing those things, you're basically putting your solar panel in a closet. And it's never going to receive all that the Son of God would want to do in your life. So that's the first thing to ask you and challenge you. When you think about this Advent season, what are your personal disciplines? And how are you not letting the busyness of the season determine your schedule and your spiritual life? But to grasp a hold, to reach back to our series from August to. Take back your life from the busyness and read scripture and listen and pray. Put your life in a place to let the radiance of the Son of God empower and fill you. That's one lesson. Now the second lesson is that there are many ways in which we have fallen into a deceptive message of the world around us which is, well, we can just do this and it'll power it up. I I can just put it underneath a flashlight or some incandescent light. The reality is an incandescent light will not power this. Now, I know some of you electrical engineers are about to wig out because there is a certain kind of light you can use. And Okay, talk to me in the lobby and give me the name for it, but sure you write it phonetically so if I have to mention it 11 I can pronounce it correctly, right? But a basic incandescent light. I can leave this in the sanctuary just underneath the fluorescent or LED lights, and it will never charge. But the world around you says, oh you don't need that God stuff. You don't need the Son of God stuff. You don't need to worry about this thing called righteousness. That's just all that stuff from old dead guys that are talking about a mysterious thing to explain what they couldn't understand. Friends, I want to tell you something. That timeless truth of Scripture is what guides our lives and describes reality. And the world will constantly give us lights that will never charge your life. Never. They'll promise it. They'll say it's the same thing. And it'll never happen. I can remember being in the Holy Land a couple of years ago when I listened to the gentleman who was a street vendor. And he was talking about this is a real coin. A real coin from the time of Jesus if anybody walks up to you with a coin on a street vendor and you're ever in Jerusalem, there's not a chance that they got it. The antiquities hold on to everything there. And I said to him, Sir, I am a pastor, and I want to ask you a direct question. Is that really a coin, a real coin from the time of Jesus? And he said, Sir, I must be honest, It is a genuine replica of the real thing. (laughs) The world is going to say they've got genuine replicas of the real thing. Why try something else when the real thing is available to you? How's the old hymn go? I'll surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus. I surrender all to him. I freely give. Where in your daily walk with Christ, in the disciplines of the faith, the reading of the scripture, are you making yourself available to God? Where are you making room for God to move, to speak, to challenge? Are you placing yourself in conversations that enrich your understanding of God and enrich your ability to respond to the one who is the light of the world? Friends, the call of this text is literally this. We are called to turn from darkness to light, but in order to do so, there must be a part of our life that's willing to make that turn. A willingness to turn from the shadows do this great light that was promised in Isaiah culminated in the arms of Mary and the person of Christ, the one who lived and died and rose again, that we might be able to sing these songs of faith and know that they are not mythology or hopeful empty words. They are the truth that will transform the world. And I close with 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. A great passage, First Peter chapter two verse nine. Write that on your little phone. Write it on the, if you have to take an offering envelope, take one out, write it down. First Peter two colon nine. First Peter chapter two verse nine. Open it up in your app. This is what I want you to live by in the next several weeks, because this is the claim of the gospel. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special. Possession. Friends, remember, you don't choose God. Jesus says in John, you didn't choose me, I choose you. You see, you only respond to God's yes to you, placing your life before him, making more space for him and less space for your own desires. And it continues, why? As God's special position, possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You belong to God who calls you out of darkness into the light. Friends, will you live as people of the light? Or as the incredibly rich theology of the child's song that we say is a kid's song that really isn't says, will you let this little light of mine Will you let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. But beware, church. If you do not allow the light of the Son of God to shine within you and respond and accept all that he offers, there's nothing that can burn through you. Open your heart, open your life to the light of the world. The one cradle to Mary's arms. And then go today and let that light shine through you. Let's pray together. God, we give you thanks for the timeless truths of your scripture that echo through the ages. The promise that has endured from time and season and circumstance. That you are our light and our salvation and that you are one that calls us from places of darkness into the light. So God, help us to lay our life before you in such a way that we would be willing to accept the light of Christ, live the light of Christ, and share the light of Christ in such a way that we would let our light shine. We well, pray these things in the name of Emmanuel, your promise to always be with us, Jesus Christ.